I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. This team has to change the record. I can't go out there and stay set for them. I, I can keep trying to fix it. These guys got to do it, and we got a good enough football team to do that. But they got to get sick of this stuff. I'm sick of it. They're sick of it. Uh, we got to be able to count on guys when we need them to do their job. I kind of talked in the locker room like we're not quitting. Like that's not in our DNA. That's not an option. So, what can we do? We can respond with a positive attitude. You know, we we there is so many things we can take away from this game, good and bad. So we just have to do that. We know the type of team we are, and this isn't going to discourage us, just like the Illinois loss didn't discourage us. We know we're capable of, and um, we need to stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Simple as that. There's going to be more stuff to it, obviously, but that's for their ears and, and not yours. Yeah, we got to get the pilot light lit and get over the hump in a couple of these games and get on a roll, and, and that just hasn't happened. It hadn't happened because right when we need things to happen, people let us down, and, and i got to do a better job. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washa taking you here through the next hour as we get you ready for Nebraska's second night game in a row, Robin, as they'll play three in a row. I feel like we're back in the old Big 12 days. I mean, back in the Big 12 and Nebraska's a little bit more relevant. There there were a lot of stretches of night game football. Uh, I remember years it felt like eight or nine night games a year. Uh, Well, we're going to get three in a row um, with Michigan next week at night game as well. So back-to-back Memorial Stadium night games, homecoming weekend, and was just one play away last weekend from being a a pretty good homecoming weekend for this football team who's been on the road three out of the last five weekends. Um, But once again, the little things, the details, as Trev Alberts called them, continue to haunt Nebraska. Some penalty issues early in the game prevented maybe a scoring opportunity. But then obviously the big one was the, the misfire on the punt and really all the, the all the punts. And you, you just get to this point now, Robin, you're just like the, the, the trust in this team, it's hard. I mean, you just don't have a trust that they can get it done because they've been in this position so much. And, and now again, they're going to play a team that they should beat. But, you know, we, we just don't know right now. I mean, to me, listening to Scott uh, Frost talk after that loss, he seemed to me like a coach that was kind of out of answers at this point, uh, that they've tried everything they know how to try to fix all of these details, the procedural penalties, the special teams blunders, the, uh, you know, just execution on offense, and, uh, you know, the things that are the difference between winning and losing in the Big Ten Conference, and clearly they've made zero strides or very little strides in any of those areas. And it comes down to, you know, kind of frost laid it out there. It's about player accountability at this point. Uh, You need your punter to kick the ball where he's supposed to punt it. You need your offensive lineman not to jump the snap. You need uh, your quarterback to, you know, throw the ball where he's supposed to. You need the running backs to be able to see a hole and hit a hole. And, And until those things start happening, there's only so much you can do with scheme and I don't know what they can do in practice because clearly I mean just listening to the coaches they've tried about all they know how to try and uh, have made very little progress as a result yeah you talk about scheme you go back to like his first year at Michigan 
they were outmanned. I mean, that, that had you know they had nothing to do. Or now, when you watch Nebraska, yeah. they're not outmanned. Not at all. I mean, they weren't outmanned against Oklahoma. I mean, Mm-mm. I mean, and you think about where this program was in 2018. You know, they would go in to like a game at Michigan and get outmanned. But then they came up with good scheme and they nearly beat Ohio State on the road that year. Um, so you know, I thought he had an interesting quote. You know, you can be an average team or a bad team and win. He goes, we're a good team that's losing. And I know there's people – I think we've we've kind of created this tribal mentality in life on everything we do, and either you are on board or not on board, mm-hmm. and that it's on every single thing we do, mask, no mask, this president, that president, and people pick their side, they stick to their side, they want to be right, and there are fans out there right now that are adamant that it's not going to work, and there are fans that are adamant right now that this is going to work, and I feel like that's where we're at right now. And the ones that don't want it to work, about seven or eight guys on Husker Online, message board, <laughs> um, what, 1992, Driveway Jordan, a few of these guys, I mean, they are going to post at all hours a day that they don't want it to work. And then there's some that will. And so it, it's just an interesting dynamic um, that we see in our world. And it's tough. The losing is hard. I mean, mm-hmm. the bottom line is they got to win games. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's interesting right now. What is Trev Alberts thinking because they are an improved team. Like yeah. the material is there, but the results obviously are not. So I would not want to be Trev Alberts right now. I think he's in a very tough spot as he evaluates in his first year. Well, yeah. I mean, it's there's really no no win to it. I mean, sure you can blow it up and and start over with somebody, but you got to kind of wonder what the talent pool of coaches would be right now for Nebraska. I mean, obviously they're going to, you know, try to pay top dollar and all that, but you know, you'd be paying Scott Frost $20 million to not coach here. And so that's a factor for a university that just got, you know, hit hard in the checkbook uh, and the bank account with this this whole pandemic. So that's that's a very big factor in all of this. And then, uh, you know, this is also a, a university that's been cycling through coaches, you know, left and right, uh, you know, basically going back to. You know, the whole, the whole kind of national perception. They fired Bo Pelini when he's winning nine games every year. There wasn't $20 million involved. Exactly. So, but, but I mean, that's kind of the stigma that's going around here where, you know, they'll, they'll fire one of their own if it's, if it's not good enough. And so you got to wonder just kind of what options would even be available right now and how many of those options would be clear upgrades to what they have with Scott Frost. And so the winning, obviously, that that's what everybody cares about. But I agree with you. There has been improvement. I mean, you look at where this team was, even going back to Mike Riley's last year, they were bad. And now they're competitive. I mean, they should be winning. They should be 4-1. The they the should game. be 4-1. You can make a case 5-0 five five and and oh at yeah, this point. I mean, I'm going to be just a realist and be like 4-1 and one is where they should be, and they could be 5-0. and oh. Yeah, and so that's kind of the one one spectrum you look at. The other spectrum is why aren't why are they 2-3? and three? Right now, is it coaching? Is it the staff's inability to get these guys to play clean football and execute at a high enough level to win in this conference? And so, you know, there's two ways of viewing this. And like you said, uh, people are very clearly divided on whether changing the course is the way to go or sticking with it and hoping that the the results pay off. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Nebraska Northwestern. And Robin, I mean, I feel like we've grown up with this series. This is our 11th Nebraska Northwestern series. Um, next year, the game is going to be in Ireland. And there's thought, we'll hear from Louis Vakir from Wildcat Report. Um, they're going to start a major just gutting of Ryan Field out there. So there's a pretty good chance we won't be out there in 2024. And that game's either going to be at Wrigley or Soldier Field. Um, nice. So there's going to be some interesting nice. dynamics um, <laughs> to, to the future of where this game's played at. But the bottom line is 
This is a 10-game series now that's 5-5, five and five, with eight of the 10 games being decided by a touchdown or less. And when Nebraska's had down teams, they've beaten good Northwestern teams. When Nebraska's had you know, a good team, Northwestern's beaten them. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's very unpredictable. This would be considered a down Northwestern team. They were overranked in the preseason expectations. They lost Cam Porter for the year, their star, star running back. They've got real issues at quarterback right now, in my opinion, trying to figure out what they want to be. And they lost like all those guys that had been there for like 20 years. They're finally gone on the defense, yep. like Patty the Fisher. Patty Fishers, yep. And Blake Gallagher. And mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this on paper is another opportunity for Nebraska to get a desperately needed win. But again, you know, this, this series has been so unpredictable uh, to where, you know, Nebraska has been, you know, clearly the better team on paper, but. Northwestern, for whatever reason, just has their number, and and vice versa. Where you know you think that you know Northwestern you know comes in as as the favorite, is even you know at home, and Nebraska comes in and wins the game. So this is one of those deals where uh, every game with Northwestern comes down to fundamentals, not making costly mistakes, and executing at the highest level. What do we just get done talking about? That's been Nebraska's biggest uh, weakness over the first five games. And Pat Fitzgerald, as we know, is one of the best in the business at getting his teams to play up absolutely and figuring out a way to put them in a position to win and they'll do what they got to do so um nebraska obviously better be ready to roll we know that even though they're about a 10 11 point favorite heading into saturday well we have a full show on tap we're going to get you ready for this game on saturday Uh, we're going to talk the offensive storylines the defensive storylines we'll take some of your questions in our mailbag segment later of abby barmore and then louis vakir from wildcatreport.com will join me at the end of the show and he'll provide some really good insight on the Wildcats and where they're at with the program. That's all in this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, we're going to look at it. You know, there's some guys that I know have the ability to play better than, than what we've been playing uh, at a few positions. So competition's always open and, and we're going to get some other people a real shot. Us five got to continue to come together, whether that means getting in the film room, watching extra film and, and game prep. You know, like I said, we got to do something different to have a different outcome. We're pushing each other. We're finding new ways to get it done. Uh, but ultimately, it's just about us preparing as best as we can, improving our, our processes to get prepared, and then showing up on Saturday and being ready to play. So Yeah, and I don't want to beat, beat these guys down. You know, this is the same group that we finished the year with last year and played really well. So I don't know what it is right now, but I, I, I got faith in these guys. They got to pick it up. And uh, They didn't play well enough Saturday, and we still should have won the game. Uh, didn't play well enough and we had a bunch of yards and more opportunities so we're gonna keep working with them but we got the we got good players with good talent and we gotta get more out of them and we're back here on the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Robin Washett here as this week's segment of the show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill if you're looking for a place to grab lunch on your way down Memorial Stadium or you can go in on Friday night, Iowa, Maryland. That's a good Friday night Big Ten game. Go into Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill or any other uh, Omaha locations. 
and get some great wings, lips, burgers. It is the official sponsor here of this segment on the Husker Online Show. Great place to go after the game, NFL Sunday, Monday Night Football. It is rocking in Tanner's on 30th and Yankee Hill. So get in there, check it out. Fully remodeled within the last year. Nicest sports bar in town, busiest sports bar in town. You're going to love your experience at Tanner's. Well, Robin, let's talk offensive storylines because the offensive line play last week, especially in pass protection, I mean, there's no other way to say it other than it was hot garbage. I mean, it was one of the roughest performances I can recall that probably even affected how Scott Frost played the end of regulation. You know, if, if he had more trust in his protection, he maybe goes for the win there. But the reality is his offensive line of five people was getting beat by four all night. Michigan State only brought five, more than four, five times. Um, and Nebraska had six people, when you count a running back, blocking four, and they struggled blocking four. The left defensive end for Michigan State had 14 quarterback pressures. Um, Bryce Benhart had a really rough game um, out there, and, and Turner Corcoran has struggled. Uh, everybody on that line has struggled this year except Cam Jurgens. So when Frost got up on Monday and said, look, we are going to make changes to this group, I mean, he had to do that, don't you think? I mean, there's almost no way he can be like, and we're going to roll with these five because right now those five are making it really hard to run this offense. Absolutely. I mean, when you are putting six on four and still getting beat with that amount of regularity and you have a mobile quarterback who is uh, keeping plays alive with his scrambling and he's still getting sacked seven times in a game, I mean, that's like like critical. We need to address the situation stuff right there and so they had no choice to but to shake things up because the the group that they're rolling out with and that that primary rotation that's that's been playing the majority of the snaps is is not good enough and they are going to keep nebraska from ever reaching their potential as an offense uh until something changes up there so clearly i mean right now i don't know what more they can do with pure coaching, and so it has to come with a personnel shakeup. And I know there's been a lot of different theories about uh, different moves they could make, you know, moving guys' positions, putting, you know, vaulting guys up the depth chart. Whatever it may be, I would expect to see some pretty drastic shakeups uh, on Saturday when that offense comes out for the first series. The guy that really intrigues me is Teddy Prohaska mm-hmm. and kind of where he fits into this because I think, you know, he got in that Fordham game and looked pretty good, and he played with the ones, and then he got in – um, as a tight end against Oklahoma and looked pretty good. And he's played two games, I believe. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know He's somebody that really intrigues me this week. If there's a plan to bring him in or use him, and then who do you sit? Who do you move? How do you reshape this line? And Frost did say right tackle and left guard are the two positions. So could Teddy play right tackle? Could Corcoran move to right tackle and Teddy play left? I mean, I think there's a lot of things you've got to consider – what they're going to do. Could Ben Hart play guard? I mean, has he ever played guard? I mean, I think all things, everything's on the table right now with this offensive line. Yeah, and so I guess it's somewhat notable that Matt Sichterman uh, was the one offensive lineman that came up to the podium on Monday. You know, generally, if a guy's about to get benched, they don't let him come up on Monday. Well, and he could, he was invited to come up Sunday. Right. So, like they 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 text these guys on Sunday. So maybe he already had committed. He's a you know Matt Sichterman's a stand up guy. Mm-hmm. He committed Absolutely. to come up there. But you would think I don't know. Maybe this is just me thinking out loud here. But like I, I would. But not, I would. Mean, I would not put him at the top of the list of potential shakeups. And so 
left guard obviously that's that's the one the big one and i think what they do there is ultimately going to dictate what they do at the tackle spots because like you mentioned i mean there's a theory out there that bryce benhart could kick inside to to guard which you know they've done before i mean zach stirrup zach stirrup well that was that was in the previous previous staff staff. but i mean like that that transition has happened before here at nebraska and it's worked out really well uh in, in some cases so i think that that is certainly a possibility uh, and then, you know, I guess it really depends after that how much faith they have in a guy like Turner Corcoran, or sorry, <laughs> uh, Tay Prohaska, uh, because obviously he's a true freshman and has very limited game experience under his belt, particularly playing, uh, you know, full-time tackle. And so how ready is he to take over that kind of workload? And then, you know, do they keep him on the right side or do they trust him to be at that left spot and, and move Turner over? I mean, what's happening, though, is – the communication, I mean, the offensive line appears to be getting totally thrown off by pre-snap movement and stunts and combo blocks where two guys should be blocking one aren't happening. Mm-hmm. And you have the numbers advantage. Like, this should not be happening when they're not bringing more than four. Yeah, and, and, and beyond just the pass rush, that makes life so difficult in the passing game when teams are able to drop seven back. And, I mean, just coverage standpoint. You're, there's no big plays. There's more defenders, and they keep everything in front of them, and they make you have to earn everything and execute at a significantly higher level because there's that much less space to operate with. And, again, when you ha- have to have that high level of execution, that's when mistakes happen, and Nebraska's a mistake-prone team. Yeah, you go back to, like, when Tim Beck was calling the offense, and if he would see, like, two high safeties and – you know, no blitz. I mean, they would freaking check into a run with Tommy Armstrong and Amir Abdullah and freaking slice it up. Yep. And Nebraska's not able to do that yeah. right and now. That's that's the other thing. They're not getting any push in the run game. So it's not just a, a pass protection deal. Is you know, the, the crease runs are just not happening. And that part of that's on the running backs. I mean, they're not hitting the holes with any confidence and you know, making guys miss. But at the same time, when defenders are hitting running backs before they even get to the line of scrimmage, uh, as a New York Giants fan, I've seen that far too much, and that, that cause, causes so much problems for your offense. Yeah, and I think part of it is how the, the scheme is, or at least how the technique of how they're taught. I mean, Nebraska's linemen are trained more to be kind of a roadblock versus a demolition crew. Yes. And I think most people listening to our show would prefer just get up there and beat the crap out of the guy in front of you. Don't try this finesse blocking style. Get up there and say, I'm going to beat the living snot out of that guy in front of me. I don't care. Instead of running free and going to, I mean, nobody should be running free. Nobody. And so many of these plays, you're like, why is Ethan Piper running off the line of scrimmage and not touching one person? And something like that kind of explains where going into this season, I know you and I and a lot of other people thought this offensive line was going to be significantly improved because of the talent they had. And the athletes. On paper. And the athletes, the size, the length. I mean, this was a different looking group up front than, than Scott Frost has ever had. So are they trying to do too much? Are they thinking too much rather than just relying on their physical ability and going out and moving the person in front of them off the line of scrimmage? And that pre-snap movement has just caused so many problems. But when we come back, we're going to talk defensive storylines next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm sure their entire fan base is incredibly proud of that defense. Uh, and I think they put everybody else in the Big Ten on notice, you know, last weekend on the road with the way that they played in that second half. I mean, it was as dominant of a performance as I've seen, like I said. So we got our hands full, but uh, we'll put together a great plan and hopefully we'll have a great week uh, and take us with us for a, one heck of a battle in Lincoln here this Saturday night. I feel terrible for him because the defense uh, is playing really well right now. We didn't have any business losing that game. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washhead. That was Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald calling that performance last week one of the best defensive performances he's ever seen. And then Scott Frost saying, obviously, we had no business losing that football game. Well, this segment of the show brought to you by the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Uh, Aer Lingus is the official travel partner. Flights are now available next year as Nebraska and Northwestern. It's fitting, Robin. We're on Northwestern week. And this game a year from now will take place in Dublin, Ireland. Mm. And looking forward to that trip as uh, we get ready to go out there. Um, and, and, you know, if you're wanting to go, highly encourage you right now um, to get online at Huskers2Ireland.com. That's Huskers, the number two, Ireland.com. As um, packages are on sale, trip is filling up quickly. Um, you want to get online now, though, and do this because there are so many things you want to do out there, but only a limited amount of people can get all these things in. If you can get your trips booked right now um, for the game on Huskers to Ireland.com, you're going to ensure that you're going to make the most out of this trip to Ireland. And um, the Aer Lingus College Football Classic works closely with all the top hotels, all the top tours things, and they've already secured spots all week uh, for Husker fans and Northwestern fans to take part in all the festivities. We're going to be out there. Um, I'm actually hoping to get to go out earlier to get even a full scouting report. We're going to be talking to some people from Ireland and airing some of those interviews as well in our next few shows. So get online, check it out. Husker Online, proud to be a partner here of the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Um, the official travel partner here is Aer Lingus, and flights are now available to get on board for next year's game. But, Robin, let's talk about that Nebraska defense and kind of where they're at because you know, that was an elite performance. I, I've been around a lot of football, and I can't honestly recall a game that I've ever been to where a team did not get one first down and a half, especially a ranked team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't like they just did it against like Fordham or something like that. That was a legitimate Michigan State offense and rushing attack that had arguably, uh, statistically, no question, the best running back in college football at that time, uh, who was putting up just like video game numbers. Uh, and you were kind of going to wonder, like, how how would Nebraska's defense hold up? But for the second week in a row, they far outplayed expectations. You know, by doing what they did to Oklahoma, people kind of started to take note that maybe this defense is for real. Like, we knew they were going to be good, but, man, this, this is maybe a different level than anybody expected. And then to follow it up with what they did against Michigan State, I know – Pat Fitzgerald's probably, uh, you know, gassing up Nebraska a little bit, you know, to, you know, just to kind of fluff, him, fluff up. him up a little bit. But, uh, I mean, it, he's not wrong. I mean, that was an elite-level display from start to finish by that defense. And uh, you just think about it, the, the fact that they played that well and did something that we haven't seen a Nebraska defense do in a long, long time, and they still lost the game. It really just twists the knife on that. Yeah, do we know the numbers on that? When the last time Nebraska allowed opponent without a first down and a half, Mm-mm. 
And, you know, the one thing missing, though, and we talked about this a little bit, is that turnover, getting that turnover. Um, they had the one interception, but I think if they could have just gotten one timely turnover that would have given the offense, you know, great field position, that would have been maybe the difference right there. And, and I think that's what guys have talked about. We can play better than what we did last week. Yeah, and so that, that was kind of Eric Chenander's message. You know, uh, I asked him about you know Fitzgerald's comments and just how how good they they played on there. And he was like, you know what? Uh, there, I, I tell my guys, there's you know two, two very few people that are that aren't going to lie to you. It's the people in this room, and then maybe some of your family members. And in our room, you know, we're always going to set the bar higher. No matter how well you play in a game, we're always going to push the expectations above that and say that, you know, as, as, as good as we were, you can do better. You can find ways to, to win the game on your own, create more turnovers, get more sacks, get more tackles for loss, hold them to zero yards. I mean, so that you can always strive for more. And I think that's kind of been the message this week that they know that they played really, really well. And Eric Chenander said that he, during the game, he doesn't even look at stats because he, he doesn't want it to impact the way he calls games. Uh, but just watching, I think he said the, the, the speed and the violence and just the, the emotion his guys were playing with. Like he, he hasn't been that proud during a game in a long time. And so they know how good they were, but they also know that they, they still weren't perfect. And until they're perfect, they can always strive to, to be better. And with that said, Robin, I do think the back end, there are some issues still. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, I was talking off air this week to JoJo on our show, um, The Beat, which is also here on the Husker Line um, channel about the, the play where Miles Farmer, you know, got yeah, beat. And, flea flicker. And their thought there was that Michigan State waited until they subbed out there to find that matchup they wanted. Mm. Um, so I still think the secondary is good, but I think there are some holes back there at times. And if you're Northwestern, pretty smart team, as we know, with a lot of smart people over there, and they're going to try to find some of those matchups, I think, and, and expose something if – you know, Nebraska does something because I do think there's a drop off when when certain guys come out and certain guys come in. Yeah, no, no question. And you know, that was all off season. One of the, the big questions was the the depth in that secondary, like the front line. You know, maybe outside of that other corner spot, we all felt pretty good about. But you know, it was after that that uh, you know we was a little little needed a little clarity there. And I think guys have have stepped up pretty well. Uh, I think between Braxton Clark and Quentin Newsom, that that corner spot shored itself up, but. Clearly, uh, you know, regardless of who they put out there after those starters, especially at the safety position, there there is a drop off, and teams are identifying that. And you look at what Northwestern does from a skill position standpoint; they don't have much. I mean, they they've lost a lot from last season. Uh, you know, the quarterback play is iffy at best, uh, and so they don't have the guys that are just going to win one on one matchups, which Michigan State did. Their top two receivers are good, and that was one of those deals where Farmer wasn't out of position; he just got beat, and so. I don't think that's going to be as much of an issue, but what I want to focus on is what Northwestern does with its pre-snap movement. They do a lot of different formations and personnel groupings and pre-snap shifts and all this stuff to try to create confusion. And when one of those other guys, those, those, those next up in the secondary or on the field, will they be able to maintain their responsibilities uh, on, on each play and not get caught up in all that window dressing? And Northwestern still has run the ball effectively. They've got one running back averaging over 100 yards per game. Cam Porter is out for the year, and he was supposed to be their – work horse back so they are going to try to run the ball they even used a fullback mm -hmm. i mean pat fitzgerald joked this they week still exist um that <laughs> because he felt like he was back in his high school coaching days when they had a fullback and um i think he's gotten creative to figure out how to run the ball 
<laughs> I think if Nebraska did that, people would be, yeah, a fullback. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they've used a fullback once, and it was a defensive lineman this year. So And they scored a touchdown. They did. They did. So, yeah, I mean, Northwestern is going to do what it does. I mean, nothing crazy jumps out about their stats. I mean, they're not the worst offense out there, but they're certainly not the best. But what they do, they just execute. And they're physical, and they make you – have to be physical with them and execute at their level to beat them. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It was a tough outcome to the game Saturday for them, but you can just see, you know, they, they had Oklahoma on the ropes and, and, and had every opportunity to win that game, one-score game. Same thing with Illinois was a one-score game. Same thing last week with Michigan State, a one-score game. So, uh, you know, this team, you know, I, I know everybody wants every game to be won, but I, I think this is an you know, incredibly improved Nebraska team that is playing at a very, very high level right now. So we got to have our best week of prep. Uh, we get to go play in one of the cathedrals of college football Memorial Stadium and one of the uh, best fan environments that there is in the country. So we'll, we'll have to have a great week of prep and take us with take it with us to Lincoln. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Watchett, as you heard, Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach of Northwestern, really praising Nebraska and what he saw from the Cornhuskers um, this season, despite their 2-3 and three record. Um, so we'll see kind of where that all goes. But now it's time for the mailbag as Husker Online Intern Abby Barmore joining us in the program. Abby, what do you have in the mailbag to lead things off with? Is Adrian Martinez playing the best football of his career at Nebraska? Oh, man, I still think during 2018 there are some really special moments. Um, it's hard to compare, though, because I think he had a better offensive line, honestly, in 2018 when he had Farniak and he had Hymas and he had Farmer and Gerald Foster. And, I mean, who, who was the other guard on that team? Mm. But that was a pretty that was a pretty decent offensive line. I mean, it had a couple Polini guys on there and some Riley guys. I mean, it was a, it was a solid line. Um, but I, I think when he had Ozigbo and Morgan. Maurice, and then a very engaged version of JD Spielman with Stanley Morgan, um, you could see what he could really do. So I honestly think in some moments of 2018, that's why he was on the Heisman Trophy preseason list was what he showed that year. Yeah. But he's looked – I mean, he's obviously not been perfect this season, but we just did a, a whole segment talking about how terrible his offensive line is and how he's running for his life on every play, and yet he is playing at a extremely high level, all things considered. And I mean, we were having this conversation today with uh, – or at least I was with Parker Gabriel of the Journal Star. Asked him, if the season ended right now, is Adrian Martinez your first team All-Big Ten quarterback? It, it's interesting because it's a real conversation like Sean Clifford at Penn State, maybe the Ohio State guy, but who got benched <laughs> CJ Stroud. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, think about it like the Tanner Morgan's been terrible, like Spencer Pet- Petrus or whatever. He's not good. So, I mean, like you go down the list of the, the Peyton Thorne, league. Peyton Thorne, yeah, are, are, Thorne's probably up there. I mean, nine, nine touchdowns or he had whatever he had. Tell me. Yeah, he was nine to zero going into, and he, into did, Nebraska. He, did he have a touchdown pass against yeah, Nebraska? Yeah, on that flea flicker. But, I mean, just saying, like Adrian's playing at a really high level, and especially compared to the rest of the QBs in this league, he's he's up there with anyone. All right, what's next, Abby? 
If you're in Scott Frost's shoes, what game plan do you tell Trev Alberts to prove that you're on the right track for success? Um, I, I say, look, at you know, if I'm Scott, I'm saying, look, you know, I know we're not getting it done, Trev, but you're watching what I'm watching, and, you know, this is a lot better football team than we've had in my four years, and, and we're building it the right way. I know the results haven't been there yet, um, but do you truly do you truly believe that it's not going to happen? I mean, do you really? I mean, because I, I do think that some of the, the material is there, but they sooner or later they've got to turn a corner on some of these mental things. And, I mean, the special teams and now the O-line, I mean, those are really big things that should not be in this position right now in year four. Yeah, and so as far as what they can do this season, I mean, obviously cleaning up some of the glaring issues that they're dealing with right now just with self-inflicted mistakes uh but we've been saying that for for three and a half years now but i would say continue to be not only just competitive but win some of these games northwestern is a winnable game minnesota is a winnable game purdue is a winnable game and if you can find a way to win michigan. those and then beat some of those other games the wisconsin's the michigan's the iowa's whatever it may be you're going to a bowl so i think that is very much on the table uh, to still accomplish kind of your baseline goal for this season, but you got to find a way to do it. You got to find a way to win for once. What does Nebraska need to do to win against Northwestern? Just play sound football in all three phases. I mean, play well. <laughs> if they play sound football in all three phases, which I know they will on defense, I'm not really worried about that right now. Um, but if they can protect and establish a running game. Um, you know, and Martinez, one thing that should not be underestimated, this is the fourth time he's played a Pat Fitzgerald defense, which, I mean, that's, there's just not a lot of people that can say that in college football. So he's got very familiar, good familiarity with what Northwestern does. But the kicking game and the return game, I mean, the, the, the yard, because Northwestern will beat Nebraska in that area. Mm -hmm. They'll field punts and they'll get yards back that way. They'll get kickoff returns to the 30-35. They'll steal yardage where Nebraska gets robbed in yardage. And that, that could be a difference in a game like this. Yeah, for me, it's the critical mistakes. You know, the avoiding the pick six or the fumble scoop and score or the punt return for a touchdown or the blocked kick or, you know, those types of game-changing plays, not only just avoiding them, but, you know, the, the timing of them. Uh, you can't make your biggest mistakes in the most critical situations because, again, that's what Northwestern's plan is. They know that they're outmatched against Nebraska, but they also know that if they just play clean, consistent football, inevitably Nebraska is going to make mistakes. And so that's that's the key for, for the Huskers to, to win this one. The Huskers defense only gave up 15 yards in the second half against Michigan State. They're playing really well, but they need to find a way to get more turnovers. How do they do that? And can Nebraska win a game without several defensive turnovers? Yeah, you would like to see them get a couple because that would be the difference. I mean, Michigan State, they got the early pick, and you're like, man, this is going to set the tone for the mm -hmm. game. And then the offense gets penalties <laughs> and has problems right out of the gates. Um, but you would like to see the pressure on the quarterback mm -hmm. lead to turnovers for the quarterback. You know, we just haven't seen anybody kind of get their hand or their arm on the throwing arm to kind of create that fumble from the quarterback when they're getting pressure. Yeah, and just catching the ball. I mean, they dropped three interceptions against Oklahoma. So, I mean, that's one, <laughs> one way to do it. Uh, you know, and I think that's an easy answer. They're putting themselves in position to make those types of plays. They just got to go make them. And you're getting a, pa a more consistent pass rush that's actually getting home to the quarterback. Those impact sacks, tackles for loss, and then obviously the strip sacks, that would help their cause in a big way. All right, time for two more, Abby. At this point, it almost feels that this team is creating new ways to lose games. 
is this really a situation where they need to figure out how to win? Um, the, yeah, they just need to f- figure out how to close games out because the material is there on this team to win these games. Um, but, it, you know, they're not that far off, but yet it feels like they're far off. I mean, I, I think people have just been mentally whipped. I mean, you're, you're just beat down, whipped, dejected, whatever word you want to use. And just the overall trust right now in the product is very low. And, and Nebraska's got to get that back in this fan base. Well, that's why that Michigan State game, I don't know if anybody was actually surprised that that game ended the way it did. I mean, obviously the disappointment, frustration, anger was there. But I don't know if anybody was, like, stunned that that's, that's what happened because Nebraska, like you said, has found so many unique and devastating ways to lose games over the years that just add it to the list at this point. And, you know, that, that just comes down to, I think, a confidence standpoint. And, you know, when you are sure in what you're doing and as a coach you're sure in your players being able to execute, you just you play different and you call games different. And so until they start to get over that hump, there's always going to be that nervousness of, when is the levy going to break on us? All right, final question in the mailbag, Abby. This is Memorial Stadium's first night game since 2019. What's your favorite night game memory in Memorial Stadium? Oh, man, I've got lots of them. Um, but my first ever night game was in, I believe it was 1992. Um, Nebraska played Washington, and that was a, a Washington team. I believe that won the national title. It was right up there. It was Don James and... They beat Nebraska, but night games were really, really rare. And I just remember my dad, we were running late, and my dad, we drove down, and he, I mean, we were speeding down I-80. And, I mean, we, like, got in the stadium late, and my dad and I were running, sprinting into the stadium to go. And that was one of the first games I went to as a kid. We got our season tickets in 93, um, but I went to one other game before that, I think, and the Washington game was my second one. It was a night game, and – I just remember my dad saying, oh, night games are going to be nuts here. And, da, 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 da. and then the other one recently is the Miami game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably took that one from you. Who are you going to go Miami? That was, that was, I had two of them, and that was one of them. And the reason I liked it was just the juice. Yes, that was the most hostile environment I've ever seen in Memorial Stadium, where like it was just pure animosity towards the opponent. They weren't worried about being nice and clapping the opponent off the field. Like it was... It was anger and a lot of built-up uh, emotions that came spilling out there, and uh, it was it was an unforgettable scene. And then for Nebraska to play as well as they did, that that really topped it off. Notre Dame was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, 08, Colorado. You know the the Alex Henry. I mean, that's was that a night game or a two? You know that that was a. Well, it was a two, dark when it ended. It was a so. two, that was a two thirty. Uh, <laughs> that was a two thirty uh, ABC Thanksgiving Black okay. Friday so, game. So yeah, by so. the end of it, it was dark. That's no, your night game history. The best part <laughs> happened at night. So there. No, I mean, yeah, you, you go to Rutgers and we play out there. It was a three thirty Eastern kick, and it got dark at like four fifteen. Yeah. So does that count as a night game? No. fine whatever but all right (laughs) that wraps it up uh for the mailbag should be a great great um scene to be back in memorial stadium for the next five games five of the final seven back in lincoln here um so you'll see nebraska a lot here playing down the stretch when we come back louis back here from wildcatreport.com will join us you're listening here to the husker line show you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? 
And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's PG. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. Cybersecurity declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here, final segment of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, pleased to be joined now on the program, someone I've known for a long, long time, Louis Vakir, uh, the publisher, owner of Wildcat Report, the dean. Is that accurate, Louis? Are you the dean of Northwestern Media now? Well, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this, I guess there's Dave Ennett, who's the radio voice. He's been around longer than me. But other than that, now that Teddy Greenstein is gone, it's uh, it's me and a bunch of kids. Yeah, for most of those press conferences, yeah. Well, you've been around uh, Coach Fitzgerald and this program a long time, and you've seen the highs and the lows. When you look at where this program is at right now, it's sitting at two and two. What's your early read on this Wildcat team? I'll tell you, that's, that's a tough question to answer right now. My jury is still out, you know, and, and I say that because they, they haven't looked very good on the field. They're, they've been erratic. They've, they, got, uh, they got way behind early in their two games against Power 5 teams. They lost to Michigan State and they lost to Duke. And their other two, you know, Indiana State and 0-3 Ohio team last week, uh, those are their two wins, not very impressive. But – you know, I'm still reserving judgment because Northwestern starts slow all the time. It's it's, it's become kind of Fitz's uh, routine almost. You know, going back to 2016, I remember they lost their first two at home to Western Michigan and Illinois State from the FCS. That team ended up winning Pinstripe Bowl. 2017, they went two and three early, went down, got their fannies kicked by Duke. They ended up a 10-win team, won a bowl game. Uh, 2018, they started 1-3, and three, had a home loss to Akron, and they ended up uh, winning the West, getting to the Big Ten title game. So other than 2019, when they just had a horrific year, you know, they've done this a lot, where they look terrible early in the season, and then they kind of find their legs, and by the you know mid to end of the season, they're pretty good. I, I was looking up uh, Fitz's numbers, and I think right now he's – Seven and over the last six years, he's seven and fourteen, I believe it was in September, and thirty-one and thirteen in all other months. You know, they 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 start slow, but uh, usually they find themselves along the way. Yeah, the quarterback position there really intrigues me because they have the in terms of just guys on paper, Louie. You know, they've got as good of people as they've ever had. You know, when you look at Hunter Johnson and and Ryan Halinski. Yeah. Um, but it still hasn't translated. I mean, what do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on the quarterback position and, and how is it going to look on Saturday? Yeah, well, that was the biggest question mark going into the season. We thought the answer was going to be Hunter Johnson. You know, he won the job in camp over Holinsky and uh, Andrew Marty, a 50 year senior. Um, he looked okay the first couple weeks and then he just had a disaster at Duke, turned it over four times in the first half at a fumble, three picks, and they pulled him. Um, Andrew Marty, the backup fifth year senior came in really sparked offense. Uh, he came in, it was 27, nothing. 
he got it back to 30 to 20 by the uh, third quarter and he got hurt in the fourth. Like he, uh, he had a fumble, he got hit in the shoulder. So now he's out for an extended period. There's a chance he could come back end of the year, but he's gone for now. So they went to Holinsky. He came into the end of the Duke game and he got his first start on Saturday. So he, he's going to be the guy right now. He's a transfer from South Carolina. He was a big time recruit. He's got a big arm. He's not very mobile, but he, but he's definitely got a, uh, a pretty big arm. They didn't ask him to do anything against Ohio because he, you know, they, they ran for 373 yards. He, he only threw for 88 yards. He just took dump offs. I asked him after the game, you know, his biggest lesson. And that's what it was, was take the easy ones. And that's what he did. They didn't ask him to do any more because it's, it's easy to play quarterback when you're running for nearly 400 yards. So you know, we don't, we haven't seen a whole lot yet, but he's the guy for now. He's the guy that's going to lead the team on Saturday into Lincoln. We're talking here with Louis Vec here from Wildcat Report. When you look at this defense, they obviously lost a lot of guys, but Brandon Joseph's still um, one of the best players on paper, at least in the Big Ten, had an All-American type season a year ago. Has he really kind of led things? I know the numbers don't necessarily jump out as far as interceptions go, but that's sometimes out of your control, especially I'm guessing teams aren't throwing his way very often. Yeah, he you know, he got his first pick last week off the tip pass. So they had they got two interceptions against Ohio last week and uh, you know, that's something that they've been working on is trying to get the turnovers back. You know, and they've struggled. Um, they got not only a lot of new players, you know, like, you know, Patty Fisher, a four year starter, and Blake Gallagher and J.R. Pace were three year starters. Greg Newsom was a first-round draft pick at corner. All those guys are gone. So they got a lot of new faces. Plus, you got a new defensive coordinator with Jim O'Neill. So there's been some growing pains there, there's, especially the Michigan State game and against Duke. They really let up some big plays early in the, in the game, got way behind. You know, they were down 14 nothing midway through the first quarter in both games. So, And that's been, you know, that, that hasn't been Northwestern's M.O. They've won with defense over the last, you know, decade or so with Mike Hankwitz. So it's been kind of jarring for fans. Uh, they looked good on Saturday against uh, Ohio, and, and in the second half against Duke, they played much better. So, you know, I think fans are hopeful that uh, they've kind of gotten their legs under them and we won't see, you know, the breakdowns that we saw a lot for the first few weeks of the season. This series, Louis, with Nebraska, I mean, it's really remarkable when you look at the history. Uh, they've, they've played ten times in the Big Ten now. It's even at 5-5, and eight of the ten games have been decided by a touchdown or less. Um, yeah. th- throughout the records, throughout what Vegas says, because this thing has been about as unpredictable as it gets over these last 10 years. Yeah, I agree. You know, when you look at uh, what, 2018 and 19, or walk-off field goals, one by each side. Uh, you know, even when Northwestern had a 10-win season, you know, they had to win in overtime in Lincoln, and sometimes Nebraska's had a, a much better record coming in and they get a dog fight so, you know, and the, the first year in 2011, Northwestern went into Lincoln and pulled a big upset over a top 10 team. So it's been a crazy series. I, I, I call it the most entertaining uh, rivalry in the big 10. They, they've had some tremendous games. It's been a lot of fun to cover and uh, a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, next year it's going to be even more fun, at least for you and I, Louie, we're going to go to Ireland to cover this game. Uh, oh, darn. Right. Yeah. And I mean, what, <laughs> what's the, what's the, um, the feel right now about that trip? I mean, cause 
your fan base, as we know, is different. And I guess the good news is they're going to keep Husker fans out of Evanston uh, another another two years. I mean, Nebraska fans weren't there in 2020. They're not going to be there in <laughs> 22. So, you know, they're not going to get that sea of red in Evanston until 2024 now. Yeah, and, you know, maybe not then because Northwestern's going to redo their stadium. They, they're they're going to play somewhere else probably for a year I've heard probably two years too. So, you know, you, it may, may be a while before Husker fans get to take over Evanston, but uh, yeah, I, people are very excited about the, the Ireland game. I think it'll be a lot of fun and uh, you know, fans are looking forward to it for sure. Are they going to play at soldier field, Wrigley field? I mean, what's the early feel right now where they could. Uh, play? Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard it could be both. They, they might play both places. I've heard, uh, I'm not sure, you know, they've got an agreement with Wrigley. They're playing Purdue in November at Wrigley for their, uh, you know, it'd be the second time there. They played there in 2010. Um, they played at Soldier Field actually as a visitor when Illinois had a home game there in 2015. But um, I think, I don't know if they're still working that out or if they're thinking about playing both, but I've heard they could play in both places. Um, you know, they're going to completely it's going to be a gut rehab like you may see they may leave the towers or something like that uh you know at ryan field if you remember they're, they're kind of iconic you know that's a it's almost a hundred year old stadium so they may leave something like that but it's going to be a complete redo so they're going to kind of strip it down the tax and rebuild it so it should be should be pretty you know a lot of fans are excited about that i think it was uh definitely due uh for rehab how much money are they putting into it well, we haven't gotten a number on the stadium yet, but they, they, the Ryan family, right? So Patrick Ryan, the chairman of Aon Corporation, who's, uh, you know, it's Ryan Field and Welsh Ryan Arena. He's the Ryan, you know, he's, he's their big benefactor. He's their T Boone Pickens, you know, he's, he's the guy for Northwestern. So he and his wife donated $480 million. Wow. So that's not all going to the stadium, but I, it's going to be a pretty big chunk of that. But uh, it was, you know, the biggest gift in northwestern history they just announced it last week so um you know i think details are sketchy at this point but uh people are excited to see uh, what's going to come out of it and they're going to start that um in the off season here this year right away no i've i've heard they they could you know and this is all things that people tell me and so nothing's been verified i don't think they've announced anything but i've heard it'll they'll probably still be at ryan field in 2022 because they haven't even like put out bids or anything like that there's no plans there's nothing yet and you know you know how long that process takes so um i think they'll probably stay at ryan field uh for 2022 and then possibly 2023 2024 is when they could be at uh, you know Soldier Field, Wrigley Field, both. We'll see. All right. Well, Louie, I'm looking forward to seeing you um, in Lincoln. I know you're coming up with a big crew, um, and it's always good yeah. to see you um, at, at these games and really appreciate the time uh, joining me here on the Husker Online Show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sean. Looking forward to seeing you on uh, Saturday. All right. Louie back here from wildcatreport.com. Make sure uh, you log on to huskeronline.com. Follow our work at the game. Um, subscribe to our podcast, download us on the Husker online channel, as well as uh, we've got lots of shows that we do each week, not just the Husker online show, but Jojo Doman show, Trey and Bryce McGowan's basketball show and the weekly up close feature. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.